living in gratitude is our special focus lesson for today. Thanksgiving. When many people hear that single word, their mind goes to a day, a single day in November that may include family, food, and football. It's an event. The Bible paints a different picture of Thanksgiving. It's an ever-present attitude, a lifestyle. Our time in God's Word this week is filled with instruction about gratitude. The Apostle Paul, writing to a church he helped plant, had some direct points of application for his listeners for us today. And building on these simple steps of obedience, the Holy Spirit wants to shape a life of grace and gratitude toward others that doesn't pause, stop, or become discontented. He desires our lives and our churches to be marked by the grace that has been poured into us through Jesus. Let's look at what God says, or what God has to say, about living in gratitude. Page 152. Question number one is, as you get ready for Thanksgiving, what has made you feel especially thankful this year? As you prepare. Now, we don't normally celebrate Thanksgiving like the, the Americans do, but some, some people do here. Uh, but as we think about it, and as we uh, see what's happening, what's, what's going on in terms of the celebration, um, what has made you feel especially thankful this year? Family. Family. Family? Okay, good. God consistent uh, faithfulness to us um, in providing and protecting us. Okay, God. I think one of the essential things in our lives would be good health. Mm -hmm. Good health. Amen. Okay. Any others? Getting together in a great circle. <laughs> Get it together with <laughs> with a good turkey. With a turkey was made the ultimate sacrifice. Family. <laughs> huh? Family. Thank you, family. And I, I'm really thankful for the sure hope of eternity with the Lord. Amen. Salvation. Really Amen. The hope of eternal life. Yes. Amen. Amen. There are not many people can say that. <laughs> Okay. Very good. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life. On a recent trip to Greece, one of our favorite stop was a store called in the house in the town of Trafalgar. As soon as you enter your maze at the colorful displays of nuts and dried fruits from the Mediterranean. But then you immediately notice what takes up a large portion of the shop, from front to back, from layer vault, the thousand of shells of nuts, moving along, being roasted and ready to be enjoyed. The conveyor belt reminds me of the Christian life as we are moved, moved along in our group being equipped to be used by Christ. We are conveyed to the ways of life experiences and challenges. May God bless the 
and encounter. No one trait should provide that gratitude. Gratitude is more than a simple thank you. It's a way of living. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Thessalonian church in that same city, Monaco, understood that if this ingredient is seasoned into the life of believers, it will transform their lives and their church. Okay. So the Christian life, in the Christian life, we are conveyed through life experiences and challenges to move us toward spiritual growth, becoming equipped to be used by Christ. Ever thought you considered yourself to be on a conveyor belt? <laughs> Never thought about it like that, eh? But we are on a conveyor belt, being readied and processed to become more and more like Christ. What's the point? Do we do that? We have a tendency only to give thanks for some, in some things, right? Uh, but sometimes there are challenges that we have that we ought to give thanks for because those challenges bring about a different realization uh, that is intended to make us better. Uh, perhaps you've heard of the off-quoted idea that an attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. We acknowledge the truthfulness that of that principle. But what matters is the kind of attitude we display. Scripture moves us beyond a, a nice idea on a motivational poster to show us that a right attitude is one of thankfulness. Both an attitude, an outward expression of gratefulness and thanksgiving truly color the way we approach life and lead us, approach life and lead us to live lives as God intended. We have a couple of passages, but let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you that we can be thankful and we can be thankful because of the multiplicity and the multitude of blessings that you bestow upon our lives, so much so that we often even take them for granted and hardly ever think about them. So we thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. And we ask your blessings as we go through the study that you would show us what we ought to really be thankful for. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Okay, uh, here's the setting. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 22 focuses on a gospel community. As Paul came to the close of this letter to these Christians, he was, he was concerned to leave them with a picture of a Christ-centered church. How should a community of believers conduct themselves? Aspects of such a community include believers, believers having an attitude of love and gratitude toward their leaders in the faith, a love for their fellow believers, and a joyful, prayerful spirit. Good picture, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Uh, gratitude toward their leaders in faith, a love for their fellow believers, 
and a prayerful, joyful spirit. Okay, let's look at uh, a couple of passages that is going to bring these truths out for us. The first one is uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13. Who want to take that one? Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. First Thessalonians was one of Paul's earliest letters. His ministry in Thessalonica wasn't very long, Acts 17, 1, 9. And the church now had questions and concerns over what would happen to those who had recently died. Naturally, they led to questions about the return of Christ. Additionally, persecution still persisted in the city so fear filled the hearts of some. In this letter, Paul unpacked his heart and the Holy Spirit's instruction where every chapter references the return of Christ and the book and the whole point of how believers are to live in that book. As Paul approached the close of the letter, he wrote, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. 1 Thessalonians 11. In verse 12, Paul pointed to one way he can offer encouragement, express gratitude to the leaders in the church. These individuals work diligently to teach and lead the body spiritually. They have been given the authority to do so by Christ and have been given the great responsibility when admonishing and caring for the body of Jesus was, Hebrews 13, 17. Paul commanded us to give recognition to these leaders. His words mean more simply paying them more attention than you normally would on a Sunday morning. The verb carries the idea knowing fully appreciating their true worth and then granting them the appreciation that comes with understanding that sacrificial nature of what they do. For added emphasis, Paul underscored this point in verse 13. Regard them very highly in love because of their work. Someone else want to take the rest of it? Some of us may immediately recall a time when we disagreed with a decision made by the church leadership. We may have felt the leaders made a mistake, or maybe the pastor wasn't meeting our expectations one way or the other. But the Holy Spirit isn't asking us to honor leaders because they're 100% agreeable to our tastes or because they're perfect. They'll never be either. Nor is the Holy Spirit asking us to honor a pastor simply because he carries the title, but doesn't display the example of Christ. The Spirit is calling us to express love and appreciation for those who lead in the church. He's calling us to recognize the sacrificial way leaders carry out their calling. Christ is calling us to set aside deeply held personal preferences and replace them with grace-filled expressions of love for those who serve. Paul's aim is for us to be at peace among ourselves. We are to strive for peace by giving respect to our leaders in all circumstances 
And that includes right in the middle of disagreements and misunderstandings, when it is the difficult thing to do. This command begins in the heart and works its way out. It starts in our personal prayers, expressing gratitude to the Father for providing a shepherd to lead his church. But it doesn't stay there. It might be a simple note or text this week to your pastor that gives him strength. Gratitude is heard in our conversations in the parking lot or at lunch following worship. Gratitude expressed both privately and publicly means more to your leaders than you'll ever know. Amen. 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 <laughs> I know that because I live with one. Amen. <laughs> okay, uh, a couple of insights uh, that we can uh, point out into uh, the work of church leaders. Um, God has called specific individuals and placed them as leaders in the church, giving them certain responsibilities. Remember, God gave them the certain responsibilities. They didn't take it upon themselves. And then uh, another point is those who dedicate themselves to church ministry give themselves to a life of work and service among believers, and sometimes sacrificially. And then leaders labor among believers. The Greek term translated labor has the meaning of working with such effort as to grow weary, tired, or exhausted. Okay, and many times you don't see that in the leaders. And then ministers lead, ministers lead you in the Lord. The meaning of the, of the Greek verb indicate that these individuals both lead and care for those they shepherd. Such individuals are called uh, to lead by example. And then leaders in the church are called upon, if necessary, to admonish believers under their care. The church leader is called by the Lord to instruct and, if necessary, correct believers in relation to their conduct as individuals and as a body of believers. Sin must be addressed. And then Paul's passage was that God put the ministers in their positions to lovingly and tactfully guide them as believers in Christ. But notice, verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, give recognition to those who labor among you and who lead you in the Lord and admonish you. So to give recognition means to pay attention to and or to cherish. Many people uh, sometimes uh, don't think much about paying attention to their leaders or, or pay attention or cherish. And then believers are to regard church leaders very highly in love, Paul says. And then he says, uh, also, uh, be at peace among yourselves. Uh, being at peace among yourselves puts less stress on the leaders to have to run interference and to be referees, right? Because sometimes believers can't get along with each other, and uh, sometimes when the, when the leaders set, step in to mediate, uh, they get caught in the crossfire. Okay? Uh, and that happens. Question number two. How can we practically recognize and appreciate spiritual leaders? Practically, how can we practically recognize and appreciate spiritual leaders. To, to uh, pray for them and to make them aware 
that you are praying for them. Okay. Pray for them and make them aware that you're praying for them. Okay. It's always no good to know that somebody's praying for you. Anybody else? Show them respect and love. Hmm? Show them respect and love. Show them respect and love. Okay. You can text them. All right, text them, send them a text of encouragement. Okay. Next we will see Paul's words of instruction to believers. Next passage. We Patience 
Kindled. Jesus showed us how to do this. Then we went to the Then he went to the cross. Jesus paid the cross for us. Those who are so far under the life and disrupted that we disqualify ourselves from God's presence. So we, we, we could not even begin to remember that we allow us to see the kingdom. So simply and us and yet we please come to our sin and rejection. We don't have to pay the cost. Jesus did. But when we follow this example of love and patience, we are positioned to help others work in the life Jesus made possible. Okay, thank you. All right, notice, um, isn't it, isn't it interesting or helpful when we get some help to be able to live things out, right? Or understand stuff, right? Hmm? No, that's it. That's it? Oh, yeah. okay. Thank you. Yeah, it's only those pages. But notice, uh, Paul offered several commands to help us to live out. Three, in four in particular. He says, warn the, warn the idle, comfort the discouraged and help the weak, be patient, and do good to others instead of evil. But notice, uh, he says, uh, warn the idle. Warn is the same word for admonish and suggests confrontation. Many of us don't like confrontation, do we? Uh, the term for idle has two possible meanings. The original meaning of the word had the sense of being out of order and referred to those who were unruly, disorderly, and or disruptive. The term also means lazy or disruptive. So Paul's instruction to the church was that this type of member could disrupt the peace of the entire assembly, the whole church. And that's not good. And then he says, comfort the discouraged and help the weak. Discouraged can be translated faint-hearted. Discouragement could also have been caused by persecution or death. And we know that you and Paul say many believers were persecuted because of their faith. Uh, the weak could include physically weak, the economically poor, or those especially struggling with temptation to sin. But then he also says, be patient. 
It's amazing how you would run into individuals who are part of the body of Christ who are impatient with their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I always thought that strange. Paul may have been writing to those who would have had the responsibility of ministering to the idle and the discouraged and the weak. Could he also viewed a, a be, could he also be viewed as a general call to love your neighbor and minister to their needs? Then he says, do good to others instead of evil. Now why would you want to do evil to others? Probably because they did something bad to you. So you want to get them back, right? <coughs> so Paul says there were believers like that. And so he says, do good to others instead of evil. Uh, render not evil for evil. All right? Uh, the, this, this same is found throughout the New Testament. We see it over and over. As Christians, we are not to retaliate against others repaying evil for evil. It's the world's way. We came out of that. We don't want to go back to that. We want to show the world how you respond differently to that type of thing. And so Paul says, do not do good to others instead of evil. No, no um, tit for tat, right? Because they kill your dog, you will kill their cat. No, none of that. All right, Paul says, act differently. Show the world that you belong to Christ. Uh, question number three, what does it look like to obey these verses in the church today? By obeying them. <laughs> obeying them, okay. Being different, right? Yes. Um, breaking the mold, um, not going along with the flow. <coughs> Next we will discover some very practical commands that need to be practiced in our daily lives as followers of Jesus. So let's look at our final passage. Uh, who want to take that one? He We must open our hearts to what he is saying. 
when these things are rightly related with thanksgiving and prayer, we are led to rejoice always. It leads us to live with deep-seated joy when we recognize God's provision in Christ for all things. Question. Okay, I want to take the rest of it. So, wait, wait, let me take it. Every Thanksgiving, the members of our family participate in a simple tradition. When we finish the meal, we don't leave the table immediately. Every person has the opportunity to express thanks to the Lord and others for something that has happened recently. It's a special tradition because we have gathered for the purpose of expressing our gratitude. But giving thanks is not reserved for Thanksgiving Day. Consider how most of us learned to express thanks. When we were children and someone gave us something, a parent or grandparent would ask the question, which was really a gentle command, what do you say? Remember that? We still do that, right? <laughs> of course, we expected to say thank you. Our parents never wanted us to feel entitled. Most of us were taught from an early age to be marked by gratitude for the gifts of grace of others, gifts and grace of others. Gratitude is not reserved for the good things that are easy to be thankful for. We are to give thanks in everything. We do not give thanks for everything, but we do so in everything, in good times and bad. We can still have an attitude of thanksgiving. Living in this mindset softens and shapes our hearts so that our lives are marked by humility and grace, not entitlement and complaining. Finally, Paul warned against shutting down the work of the Spirit through, our, through other believers. He challenged the church not to look down on those who communicate prophecies. Instead, believers are to test all things to ensure that proclamation aligns with the Word of God and builds up the body. Of course, Paul wasn't giving a blank slate for people to communicate whatever was on their minds as truth. All things are to be tested. Discernment is to be applied for the protections and guidance of the church. As our hearts are continually looking to God with thanksgiving for what he's, what he's doing in our, in our body, verse 18, continually in tune with him in prayer, verse 17, and continually rejoicing, verse 16, for his provision of the Spirit, then our hearts are sensitive and ready to receive God's word through others. And for that, we can be thankful. Right? Paul used a trio of imperatives in this passage. We see the consistent nature of these three commands in the terms that modify the believer's actions. Rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. Something we should always be doing. Those three should always be on our minds, right? Rejoice always. Christian finds joy. Christian joy is... Christian joy finds uniqueness in the fact that it emerges even under the most trying circumstances. In the most difficult of times, Christian joy expresses its uniqueness uh, in such a way that those around us wouldn't understand why a Christian is expressing joy in that particular situation. And then he says, pray constantly. Uninterrupted time in prayer keeps our focus on God. 
his priorities, and his kingdom. Such consistent prayer indicates our awareness of our total dependence on God for all things. I have a brother, I know a brother who is always, uh, if you are in a conversation with him, you would see him slip into a situation where he bows his head and his lips starts moving. And uh, he had a good friend who would say, Brad, you can't do that. We're having a conversation. You just can't block me out and pray. <laughs> but it was a habit that he had. You know, you'd be in a conversation with him, and all of a sudden he would just close his eyes and his lips start moving. He's praying. Yes, we pray consistently, but not to the extent where it, you know, it, it discourages or impacts another believer negatively. Question number four. In practical terms, how can we always be in the spirit of prayer? Practical terms. Always in the spirit of prayer. I think if you, if you uh, read Bible, the study of the Bible, and try to understand what the Lord is trying to get across to us, who has all of no understanding, uh, I think that we would take a page from his life that he always prayed. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to pray, but he showed us the example as how we should pray. Mm-hmm. Pretty short and to the point. Mm-hmm. Consistency. Right. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? It's intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you just mind, you're mindful of thinking about the Lord or thinking those thoughts with Him mm-hmm. or taking this question or these thoughts to Him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's an intentional effort we have to make. Yeah. Open dialogue. Give thanks in everything. This is perhaps one of the most difficult of Paul's statements to fully comprehend. Give thanks in everything. Not, notice it says not for everything, but in everything. Okay, our time is gone, so um, let's look at uh, 161, live it out. So, how will you live in gratitude? One, thank God. Take time daily to express gratitude to God. Consider what he has given for you, a recent provision, character trait, or life of his son. Reflect on this and express thanks throughout the day. Watch how your heart will move from worry to trust and obey. Good exercise. Secondly, thank others. Pray for your pastor or another believer who has helped you in your walk with Christ. Ask the Lord how he wants you to encourage that person. Send a card, a text, or an email expressing gratitude. And then thirdly, help others express thanks. Encourage others who need physical physical and spiritual help. Pray for them first and remind yourself of the gospel's work in you. Meet with individuals, listen and learn about their need. Then commit to walk with them, pray with them, and seek the solution that will help them. Be a reason they can be thankful to God. Okay? Be a reason. Three things that we can uh, utilize. Okay, so we are challenged today to 
uh, this week uh, to focus on giving thanks to God for his many, many blessings, sometimes too numerous for us to count, and uh, reflect on times in our lives when it is difficult to give thanks in all things. Amen? Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. Help us to cultivate a disposition of gratitude in our hearts so that we will always give thanks to you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.